great to see you here this morning. Blessings to you. Our God is wonderful, alive, and true. And we are thankful to be able to assemble, to worship our great, alive, and true God. Both physically here in our auditorium as well as um, in the world of the virtual We thank God for your presence. Let's go to God in prayer, please. Heavenly Father, you are magnificent and awesome and kind. Your name is above all names, the greatest of the greatest. And we give you all the praise, the honor, and the glory. And we thank you for this moment, for this hour. Or we can take our minds away from the world and worldly thought and the television and the newspaper and the gossip and focus our minds on you. Thank you, Lord God, for this hour of relief. And we pray that you will bless our minds that as we worship you this morning, that we will be able to focus on you your word, your will, and your way. Help us never to forget Jesus, your great son, who so willingly shed his blood that we might live. Thank you for the amazing sacrifice that was made in our behalf, the propitiation, the goodness, and the glory brought into your name. Thank you. Please help us And bless us as only you can. In Jesus' holy and precious name, we thank thee and pray. For be thy will. Amen. We're going to the book of Ezekiel for just a moment. The church of Christ, with all of her issues and struggles, she's not going anywhere. She cannot be defeated. She cannot be destroyed. Rome thought the opposite. Rome thought that she could destroy God's kingdom. But brethren, we win the battle time and time again. Over and over and over and over again. But the question that we have to think about is, the price that we pay to be God's people, God's children, are you willing to pay the price? Because that's what chapter 11 of the book of Revelation is all about. The symbolic message teaches us that two witnesses of God go out carrying their message for 1,260 days. And they're fulfilling their purpose. And the Antichrist comes along and murders them. Literally murders these two witnesses. And for that reason... God blows the seventh trumpet. Now the number three and a half times time and a half a time, 42 months, 1,260 days. We've already studied in numerology. Let's not get confused and mixed up in that. It's all the same period of time. It's a time where God's people go through persecution. But it's incomplete. It's a short time in comparison to the victory that we will hold. 
So God reminds his people, we're going to Ezekiel chapter 42, of something that we often forget. I don't know why we forget it. Maybe it's because we uh, find ourselves trying to be more compassionate than obedient. And we forget that there are two folks in the world today, and God only sees two people. He sees the saved and the lost. We try to find that gray area. There is no gray area. There are the saved and there's the lost. The reason that we have to be able to see, recognize what God demonstrates to us over and over again through the scriptures and teaches us is that the lost need to be saved. And the saved need to seek out the lost. If there's a gray area, then it it negates our purpose as God's people to not only serve God and to live for God, but to share the good news to a lost and dying world. So this message has been one from the very beginning of time all the way up uh, into the book of Revelation, all the way to us today. Let's go and take a look at Ezekiel 42, beginning at verse 15. And when he had finished measuring the inner house, he brought me out by the way of the gate, which faced toward the east, and measured it all around. And he measured on the east side with the measuring reed, 500 reeds by the measuring reed. And he measured on the north side 500 reeds by the measuring reed. And on the south side he measured 500 reeds with the measuring reed. He turned to the west side and measured 500 reeds with the measuring rod. He measured it on the fourth side. And it had a wall all around the length, 500, and the width, 500 to divide between the holy and the profane. There are only two groups, two classes of people. The holy, the saved, and the profane, the lost. And somewhere in there, our minds get a little mixed up and say, well, well, there's that in-between group. And the Bible makes it very clear there is no in-between group. Ezekiel 44, in verse 23, the Bible says, Moreover, they shall teach my people the difference between the holy and the profane and cause them to discern between the unclean and the clean. And so, from Ezekiel 42 through about 45 or so, there's this message of a separation between two groups of people. And whenever God measures a people, I want to turn to Revelation now, please, chapter 11. Whenever God measures a people, He is making a distinction, or should I say, He is revealing a distinction between the clean and the unclean. Between the holy and the profane between the saved and the lost. Revelation chapter 11, beginning in verse 1. And there was given me a measuring rod, like a staff. And someone said, Rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and those who worship in it. And leave out the court which is outside the temple and do not measure it. 
For it has been given to the nations, and they will tread underfoot the holy city for forty-two months. The holy people measure, he says, measure the outside. But the world, here's what happens. The world is given to her own devices. God turns them over in essence. And so there's a 42-month period in this text of protection. But at the same time, there's going to be some struggle for the people of God. The message of sackcloth, whenever you read that in the Scriptures, it always a time of doom, misery, and distress. And the message is this. Repent. 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 But here's the problem. We're pretty rebellious. <laughs> we just, we just, we, we have got to have it our way. And, and, and Rome had to have it her way. And the church has to have it its way. And God is saying, no, it has to be God's way. In verse 3, And I will grant authority to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy for 1260 days clothed in sackcloth. And they're bringing this message of doom. And they're doing their work that God has inspired them to do. And the witnesses are critical. Back to Deuteronomy chapter 19. Deuteronomy chapter 19. Their witnesses are critical because God has instructed from uh, from the very law that there has to be two or three witnesses. And God does not violate his own law. And so Deuteronomy 19 and verse 15. The Bible says, A single witness shall not rise up against a man on account of any iniquity or any sin which he has committed. On the evidence of two or three witnesses, a matter shall be confirmed. And so you have these two witnesses, turn back to Revelation chapter 11, who are going out and they're declaring that Rome will be destroyed. They're declaring that God's people must remain holy and true. They're declaring the purpose of God, the will of God, the message of God, and they will accomplish their mission. And in verse 4 of Revelation 11, the Bible says, There are the two olive trees, or these are the two olive trees, and two lampstands that stand before the Lord on the earth. So, there are two olive trees, two lampstands, and we're told that the two olive trees and the two lampstands are the two witnesses. So he's repeating this message over and over again. What John is telling us is that these symbols, the witnesses, the olive trees, and the lampstand, they mean the same thing. They are the witnesses who are assured the victory. In other words, the church wins regardless. The church and the word today is the testimony of God. Conjoined together as God has demanded. The power the power of these two witnesses is recognized. If you're a Bible student, you think about God's power. The power of twos. When God sends out two by two. You think about the power of the witnesses. Two witnesses are sent out. You think of great witnesses of God. Men of God. You think of, for example, you think of Moses and Aaron. Who could forget? 
Who could forget? Listen to verse 4 through 6. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands that stand before the Lord of the earth. And if anyone desires to harm them, fire proceeds out of their mouth. Now I want you to get that. Please hold that symbol for a second. And devours their enemies. And if anyone would destroy, would, uh, would desire to harm them, in the manner he must be killed. These have the power to shut up the sky. Keep that image in your mind. In order that the rain may not fall during the days of their prophesying. And they have power over the waters to turn them into blood. Keep that in your mind. And to smite the earth with every plague as often as they desire. Do you remember the witnesses? <laughs> you remember Moses in the days of Egypt? Do you remember? Remember the waters turned to blood? Do you remember the great message, the great witness, the great power of Moses and Aaron delivered to them by God? Do you remember? See, the Bible student listens to this and says, oh, wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. And as bad as it was, there were ten plagues, and God's people even suffered throughout the beginning of those plagues, and even before the plagues, when, when Pharaoh was angry at them, and, and, and they wondered, well, Moses, what are you doing to us? And, and so God's people suffered a bit, but the end result was they were free. Right? Turn to Second Kings, please, chapter 1. And so who could forget the great message of God that he reminds the people of over and over and over Again, you remember the great Elijah and Elisha? How could you, how could you forget Elijah and Elisha? Can't forget them. I mean, they're not forgotten. They're not, they're not, in fact, if you think about Moses and Elijah, uh, at the Mount of Transfiguration, who's there? (laughs) Moses and Elisha, God's great witnesses. Now, I want to show you, if you will, Second Kings chapter 1, beginning at verse 10. The Bible says, And Elijah answered and said to the captain of 50, If I am a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50. And the fire came down from heaven and consumed him and his 50. You go get the context. You go back and read that on your own. Verse 11. So again, he sent to him another captain of 50 and his 50 and he answered and said to him O man of God thus says the king come down quickly and Elijah answered and said to them if I'm a man of God let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50 and then the fire of God came down from heaven and consumed him and his 50 wait That kind of sounds like we just read in Revelation chapter 11, doesn't it? Fire came out of his mouth and consumed, right? They didn't forget this. You go back, you get the context. Luke chapter 9, quickly. Luke chapter 9. They did not forget this. In fact, John and the sons of Zebedee, right? The sons of Zebedee. Uh, so excited and so passionate, but, but the Bible tells us, Jesus says, you don't know the spirit that's within you. The sons of Zebedee went out to preach the gospel message of God, and there were some who would not follow them. And in Luke chapter 9, beginning at verse 51, listen to what they say. And it came about when the days were approaching for his ascension that he resolutely set his face to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers on ahead of him, and they went 
and entered a village of the Samaritans to make arrangements for him. And they did not receive him because he was journeying with his face toward Jerusalem. And when his disciples James and John saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But he turned and rebuked them and said, You do not know what kind of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went on to another village. Do you think they forgot? No, no, no. They bring up Elijah. Do you remember Elijah? They have not forgotten. So the Bible student reads the Word of God, and they hear the message of God, and they begin to allow the mind of God to translate into our minds and jog our our memory so that we'll say, God reigns victorious. Our God wins. We win. Turn to James, please. James chapter 5. We win over and over and over and over again. We cannot be defeated. But do you believe it? See, that's the question. So many Christians have given up their faith. They have thrown away their salvation because they don't believe this message of God any longer. I don't know what happened, but I pray Satan be gone. James 5 and verse 16. The Bible says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain and it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. And he prayed again and the sky poured rain and the earth produced its fruit. Do you remember? Right? I mean, God's reaching backwards. Turn to Jeremiah chapter 5. God is reaching backwards to present a very simple message to us to encourage us and to strengthen our faith. We win. The, the amazing thing about the Word of God when you read it and you study it is that as it comes alive and God reveals Himself to us, if you believe it and you trust in God, you'll be amazed at the peace you'll find in this world. Jeremiah 5 and verse 12. You just got to remember what the message is. They have lied about the Lord and said, Not he, misfortune will not come on us and we will not see sword or famine. And the prophets are as wind and the word is not in them. Thus it will be done to them. Therefore, thus says the Lord God of hosts, because you have spoken this word, behold, I am making my words in your mouth fire and this people would and it will consume them. I'm just trying to take you back to show you that this, this imagery, this symbolic message is not something that is, 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 um, to be discounted, but rather something to grow and strengthen our faith, right? The message of God is incredible and he refers back to incredible events in the lives of humanity. Nothing can stop. This is the point. Nothing can stop these two witnesses. Here's what's interesting. Turn to Revelation chapter 11. They will finish their work or their purpose, but God doesn't always 
see things the way we see them. And God doesn't always do things the way we do them. So here I am preaching to you that these these witnesses cannot be stopped. They cannot be destroyed. They win. They finish the course. They finish their purpose. And yet you find that Satan who who has these small victories, right? He has small victories. They last for just a little while. They're always temporary. But Satan has these small victories. And you say, preacher, you're preaching a contradictory message to us. But why do you say that? Well, you say, preacher, keep reading. And so we read, verse 7, the Bible says, And when they have finished their testimony, the beast that comes up out of the abyss will make war with them and overcome them and kill them. And their dead bodies will lie on the street of the great city, which mystically is called Sodom and Egypt, where also their Lord was crucified. And those from the peoples and the tribes and tongues and nations will look at their dead bodies for three and a half days and will not permit their dead bodies to be laid in a tomb. And those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them and make merry and they will send gifts to one another because these two prophets tormented those who dwell on the earth. You say, preacher, you just, you just told us that they can't lose, and yet the Antichrist murdered them and left their bodies in the streets to rejoice over them. And in the text, Sodom and Egypt representing, if you will, um, um, that which is evil, okay, that which is wicked, immoral, immorality, oppression. Oppression wins the day, preacher. Because these two witnesses are lying dead in the street. See, here's the problem. If you stop reading, right? If you stop reading, you see Satan's small victory. And you say, you see, look at the world today. Look at the world today. The church is losing. Look, look at the church in Rome's day. The church was losing. But see, if you stuck on Satan's small victories, you lose the message of God. In verse 11, the Bible says, And after the three and a half days, the breath of life from God came into them, and they stood on their feet. And great fear fell upon those who were beholding them. And they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, Come up here. And they went up into heaven and the cloud, and their enemies beheld them. I mean, don't don't get stuck on Satan's small victories. Yes, Jesus Christ was executed. Yes, but he got up. <laughs> and he lives. And yes, we suffer as God's people like everyone else in so many ways, on so many different levels and occasions, like this pandemic we're in now. Yes, we're struggling. Yes, like the world. Like all the bad things we see in other parts of the world, even in our land. Yes, there's wickedness and injustice. But if you hold on to God, you can't lose. (laughs) Turn to Ezekiel, please. Chapter 37. So these witnesses, while their bodies were lying in the street, what they didn't realize was that God was going to raise them up. 
But can God raise up the dead? And you say, well, I mean, they say Jesus rose up. Look, this message is a message from God that he's been preparing the world for. All the way back in the days of Ezekiel. He's been preparing the world even prior to that. He's been preparing the world for this amazing uh, uh, blessing that the dead shall rise. We shall rise. We win. We cannot lose. But you have to stick with Jesus in order to win. Ezekiel 37, beginning, if you will, in verse 7. There the Bible says, So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise. And behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, sinews were on them, and flesh grew, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say, To the breath, thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they come to life. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them. And they came to life and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. God's message is, nothing can stop God. Not even death. And so, while these witnesses, turn back to Revelation please, chapter 11, while these, while these witnesses hear this figurative resurrection in Ezekiel, and then there were some physical, actual resurrections in the Old Testament, and then the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you don't have to fear death, because we will rise. Both the righteous and the wicked will rise. We will be judged by our great God. You stay with Jesus. And in that day, Jesus will say to you, Enter into my rest, ye good and faithful servant. Isn't God good? We cannot lose. And so, everything that God purposes to do, He gives us these small pictures in the Old Testament, the old book, all the way into the new. And God expects us to be Bible students, to read, to study, to learn. And then we will grow. And then the small victories that Satan has, like, again, back to this idea, this pandemic, it's just a small victory. It cannot overcome us, but you've got to stick with the Lord. Do not allow your mind to be fixated or to struggle in a way where you fall away from the living God. No, now is a time where we grow closer to God. Now is a time where we recognize the great power of God. Now is a time when we humble ourselves. Humble ourselves. In verse 13 of Revelation, the Bible says, And in that hour there was a great earthquake. And a tenth of the city fell, and 7,000 people were killed in the earthquake. And the rest were terrified and gave glory to the God of heaven. The second woe is past. Behold, the third woe is coming quickly. And what is the message? You see the two witnesses get up? Repent? <laughs> no, 
No, the resurrection of Jesus wasn't even enough. Isn't that amazing? The resurrection of Jesus Christ wasn't enough for the whole world to repent, for Rome to repent. No, wasn't enough. I wonder, what, what else could God do? What else could God do to humble me? I mean, I know what he could do. I fear that. But what else is necessary to humble me, to surrender to the God of heaven? Because they wouldn't repent. God blows the seventh trumpet. Verse 15. And the seventh angel sounded, and there rose loud voices in heaven, saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord, and his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. And the twenty-four elders who sit on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give thee thanks, O Lord God, the Almighty, who art and who was, because thou hast taken thy great power, and has begun to reign. Jesus reigns. I, th- I thought, I thought, that, I thought Titus, or Vespasian, or, or Caliglia, or uh, Nero, or I thought those Roman emperors, I thought they, I thought they were, yeah, they don't, they don't rule over us. God does. God does. He who was and who is and who is to come. The blessing from God is this. That Rome was so powerful and so mighty. It attempted to destroy the church. But God blessed the church to continue to get up and fight Rome from a spiritual perspective. And the only kingdom that could defeat Rome has accomplished her job. The church, still strong, right? Still glorious because of the greatness of God. It will never, ever be destroyed. It will never, ever go away. The judgment which brings a reward from God is blessed through the church. Verse 18 and 19. And the nations were enraged, And thy wrath came, and the time came for the dead to be judged. And the time to give their reward to thy bondservants, the prophets, and to the saints, and to those who fear thy name, the small and the great, and to destroy those who destroy the earth. And the temple of God, which is in heaven, was opened, and the ark of his covenant appeared in his temple and there were flashes of lightning and swords and peals of thunder and an earthquake and a great hailstorm. The first half of the book of Revelation is finished. That's a lot. <laughs> and Rome would not repent. And Christians, many Christians, gave their lives to Rome. And the evil were judged. And you know, all those people, all those people died. And they all stood before God. And the evil were judged. And the righteous, those who stayed with the Lord, were saved, were protected, were blessed. Rome fell. And Rome is no more. And the battle of Christianity against Rome If Rome could look 
2,000 plus years ahead and say, wait a minute, they're still here. We're still alive. How in the world does the church of Christ still remain? Because Christ is our leader. Christ is victorious. He has all power, all authority. The Jesus whom they persecuted. And I know, church, you, you may say, but brother, the short victories hurt. Because they do. We will still find ourselves sometimes hurt. We'll find pain. We'll find even misery in this world that we live in. We'll find and see injustice and wickedness. And, and some of those things will personally attach itself to us. And we will be hurt. But God says, stay faithful and stay true. And in the end, we win. Now I'm going to close in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Just to remind us, the message that God has been preaching and preparing us for is the same message over and over and over again. If you stay with the Lord, you cannot lose. Beginning in verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary light afflictions is producing for us an eternal weight of glory, far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal or temporary. But the things which are not seen are eternal. Church, do not become confused with Satan's small victories. For they are temporary. What you can see is temporary. When you go to the next slide, it's temporary. The things you cannot see are eternal. Please do not mix up the eternal with the temporary. See, stay true to God. Stay true to God. And if there's a need in your life to repent, make it known today. And if there is this need to come to Christ, if you found that, that you are on the other side where you are not you are not the saved because you've not surrendered your life to God in the waters of baptism. You have not submitted to Jesus yet. We encourage you to do so, to surrender your life to Jesus. We would love to study with you to help you to learn more about our great God, the great God of the universe. Please contact us. Contact, even if you're not in our local area, contact the Church of Christ in your area that we might talk to you, declare to you, the great message of God and his great eternal salvation. May God bless you and be with each and every one of you.